Good evening. This is John Landis, your host for the Jam Session Radio Hour, and tonight we're bringing you another interesting session. This is part two. Sammy Figueroa uh, is recognized along as one of the world's leading percussionists. He's played with all kinds of people. I mean, David Bowie, Chaka Khan, Mariah Carey, Miles Davis, I mean, you name it, Quincy Jones, Sammy Ross, Sam, uh, Sonny Rollins, George Benson. Uh, he has long played in New York, but most recently he's been in South Florida, playing with musicians from all over the, the Latin world, uh, especially. Um, and uh, his band these days, I think, is Sammy Figueroa and his Latin jazz explosion. Um, uh, and a great guy you'll find in his in this interview that has been conducted by Fernando Valladeres. Now, Fernando is someone who has helped us with the jam session and helps uh, Rafael Alvarez put these together and myself and, and uh, Clay Prandall, all the others. Um, but he's also a percussionist, uh, composer, um, arranger, producer, uh, has been nominated for Latin Grammys for his for producer of the year. He, and he's also a jazz historian. I mean, he's just a wealth, a wealth of knowledge. Um, and uh, he's uh, he early on played with the Latin uh, with a Venezuelan Venezuelan supergroup called Guaco, and uh, also catch his radio program called From the Beginning on various platforms. We're so happy that Fernando was able to put this interview together with his friend Sammy Figueroa. Sit back and enjoy it on the Jam Session Radio Hour. Sammy. You were telling us about the your experience with the average white band and uh, what happened when you came back to New York. I was on the road for three months and a week. <laughs> and they were flying on their own jet plane. Yeah, they were huge at that time, right? They were huge. They mm -hmm. had private jets and, and everything. Yeah. And Steve Ferrone on drums, right? It was right? Steve Ferrone, you mm -hmm. know, on drums. And I we became really good friends. And I became really close to the to the leader, to Hamish. And Hamish and I were really good friends. And, you know, I did three months with them. I, I You know, I, I made over $30,000 and, you know, something crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had all this money. And I came home and I went back to Herbie. And I said, Herbie. And I told I told him the whole story, you know. And he was thrilled. I said, look, I just made this. And he said, Sammy, I'm going to help you get an apartment. And that way you're going to be happy once you get it all independent. Right. So I found an apartment. I paid for it. Mm -hmm. He didn't want me. He didn't want to take any of my money at all. And when I, once I got my own place, then Herbie and I went on tour, you know, to Detroit, all, all these places playing And I did about 15 gigs with Herbie. And we never stopped. We played the Village Gate every other week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we played everywhere. And that's how my name started developing in New York City. Because now, besides the live gigs, I was doing studio work. And Arif Martin, okay. who was a very oh, famous yeah. producer. The legendary Arif Martin. And Arif started calling me to do Chaka Khan and... and the Bee Gees and all this major stuff and Diana Ross and mm -hmm. and I started doing those records and and Fernando from from there on uh, it, it was that was it you know yeah so let's say that is completely everything you're telling me right now I was about to ask you who's got your first recording gig 
but it's all related to Herbie Mann in it, some it way. Was, it was Herbie, and then right after Herbie, I decided that even though I was doing okay, right, mm -hmm. and surviving in New York very well, that I wanted to sell records again. <laughs> What? No kidding. <laughs> no, I swear really? to God. So by then, Sam Goody's was already gone. All right. So I went down to the village and I knew there was a record store there that was very famous all over the planet because this record store sold the most unusual records on the planet. And people would come from Japan from all over to go to that store. It was it was called Happy Tunes. Oh. And, and there you could buy the weirdest records in history. And I went there and I told the manager, I said, Hey man, I'm I'm a musician and I I really am an expert in doing all this and and the and that was that was at the beginning of the gay movement in New York, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and Christopher Street, you know, mm -hmm. and the and the Stonewall, which was the most famous club, and that's where the whole revolution started. That was all over the papers. Stonewall. Yeah, Stonewall. Yeah, Stonewall. Stonewall was a famous story about about how the police went in there and all that stuff. It was very famous. And that was the beginning of the whole gay liberation movement. And so while I was in Happy Tunes, the owner was one of those gay guys, right? And he was a wonderful person and he liked me a lot and he said, You're hired. Forget it. He didn't even ask me. He he For some, his instinct said, hire this guy, right? <laughs> so he hires me on the spot, and I'm like, what? Mm. He says, you want me to start this minute? He goes, yeah, let me show you around. And I worked there, and I was right in front of Electric Lady, two feet away from Electric Lady. That was right a self-decision. I mean, you were there. At that time, you were doing sessions for everyone, for everybody. It was like the thing stopped or something? Oh, I was already doing studio work. I was just, mm -hmm. I just wanted to sell records. Oh, yeah. You know, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, okay. It was okay. one of those things that I loved doing. And, and so yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. gave me I the job. Do. And then I was there for over a year and a half or something like that. And, and Lenny, who was my manager, who was like my brother, he loved me. You know, we were good friends. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> a, lim a big black car like stops in front Uh, of Electric Lady, which was like four feet away from the store. And I said, oh, I wonder who's that? And Lenny looks at me and goes, man, that must be a famous star coming out of there. And it was Sonny Rollins. And, oh. and I said, oh, my God, that's Sonny Rollins, man. He was a real tall guy, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And he was carrying a saxophone. But, but the other guy that came out of the car was his roadie, right? His roadie. Mm -hmm. and, and the roadie looks over and he goes, Sammy? And I go, yeah. He goes, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And he takes Sonny downstairs to Electric Lady. And he came back up like a half an hour later. And he came came across the street. And he says, Sammy, you remember me? I'm Mike, man. I work at SIR. You rehearsed there. I said, yeah, Mike. How are you? He said, what are you doing there? <laughs> and I said, you're not buying records, right? I go, no. I said, I work here. And he goes, come on, man. Did you lose everything? What happened? I go, I said, no, actually, I love selling records. He, he says to me, you're crazy, man. I can't Some believe it. Some people don't it. understand, man. Some people do, yeah, doesn't get it. Understand that, <laughs> And he yeah. said, you know, he said, I'm so proud of you that you have, that, that 
regardless of who you are, you just do what you like to do. I said, look, I enjoy it. This is a, he says, oh, I know that store. I know it's famous. And boy, they must be happy having you there, you know? Mm. And I said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. So he, he leaves, he go, he comes back an hour later again. And he said, Mr. Rollins would like to talk to you. And I said, to me? Yeah. Okay. So I said, Lenny, I'm going to take a break. He goes, go ahead. And I went downstairs and Sonny looks at me and I said, man, I am so honored to meet you. And, he can, and, and Sonny looks at me and goes, look, forget about the honor. You want to play with me? <laughs> <laughs> forget about the honor. <laughs> and I said, I would. Don't give me that. <laughs> I said, look, are you kidding? I would, I would love to. He says, okay, well, you start right now. You're going to record with me right now. I said, oh, my. I said, Sonny, I'm working across the street. And he goes, well, unwork yourself to come oh here. My God. And I said, oh, my God. <laughs> he so I went again. <laughs> here we go again. And I go back to the store, and Lenny saw my eyes. Lenny saw he was so sensitive. He goes, I know what you're going to tell me, Sammy. This is what I'll give you the bad and good news. The bad is news. You're not going to work here anymore. The good news is. Just do what you love to do, which is being a musician, and go down there and work with Sonny. And you can come here anytime you want. This is your home. And I, so he fired me yeah, in a beautiful yeah, way. Yeah. I went downstairs. He rented percussion. And I stayed there from 5 in the afternoon till, till I don't know, till 2 in the morning. And, uh, and then Sonny, right there, after, after we did the album, he says, I'm going to Japan next month. I want you to go with me. And I went to Japan for the first time in my life. I go to Japan with Sonny, and I was beyond thrilled. I had such a good time, Fernando. What was the name of that first album that you recorded with Sonny Rollins? Oh, my God. I did, I did a bunch of them, but, you know, please forgive I mean, me if my brain is... <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I can't remember very well because I did like eight albums. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that what I have in my mind right now is like in 1978, I bought a record that, um, that was a famous song in there oh, yeah, from man. a band called Cheek. And like you did, I turned the record and I read the liner notes and I saw your name, Sammy Figueroa, for the first time. So I read all the musicians participating, and I said, okay, come on, trombone, Barry Rogers. What is this guy doing here? I mean, he's a salsa person. I mean, I, I didn't know that he was a session musician. So John Faddis, okay, so this is this is no disco music names. This yeah, thing should album. be good. Three million, cop. And that was a very, very famous album. Yeah, it sold three million copies, but it wasn't that big at the time that I bought the record. So I'm telling you this because that was the first time, I mean, that I read your name on a credit or any any recording. And Tony Thompson on drums and stuff. What you can tell us about that experience with Nat Rogers doing that well, album? The way that that happened, Fernando, was that I... I had be, I had become like a household guy in New York mm -hmm. City, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had already done the Bee Gees and all that stuff, and 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 Niall heard about me through records that he heard, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
He heard me on I'm Every Woman, you know, the great Chaka cartoon that sold, I don't know how many. That was yeah. huge. And he calls me up himself. Like, I didn't know who he was. But okay. I know that this. he was very nice. He called me on the phone. I, somebody gave him my number. And mm-hmm. he said, hey, Sammy, this is Nile Rogers. We never met, but I'm doing a record at Power Station. My, you know, I play guitar and... And you were highly recommended, and blah blah blah. And plus, I've already heard you, and I love what you do on these mm-hmm. records. I need that sound here. And I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would love to do it. So I went to Power Station. I met Bernard Edwards and him. They were the two producers, mm-hmm. and and uh, they got me percussion. All that's usual. And and I spent like four days in the studio recording with those guys. Now, after I finished, you know. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. All I remember was that three, two months pass, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I see on Billboard, chic, like very big, enormous, you know? And, mm-hmm. and they said, nominated for four Grammy Awards. And I said, oh my God, wow. this is the group <laughs> that I played with? And all of a yeah. sudden, they blew up from that one record, Fernando, like Monster. bigger than life. It didn't stop. I did Diana Frost, and I did, <laughs> I did David Bowie, and, and it never stopped. I did all their records. Yeah, I'm remembering right now, the other day that we were talking, that you said that between 1978 or 1990, maybe, you could you can make yourself a millionaire just recording albums, you know, without anybody knowing your name. Yeah. Is, right? Later, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, what's interesting that... You know, Fernando, in those years, unlike today, right, mm-hmm. a musician like me would be nominated as for Best Musician. They also had the Grammy for Best Musicians. They had yeah. the Grammy for Best Tenor Player, for Best for best Percussion, for Best Trumpet Player, for Best Violin Player. They had all these categories, They right? had all these categories, and Downbeat had the... Every year, they had Best Artist of the Year, like Best Musician, Right. Those and days. so in one year, Miles Davis won Best Artist of the Year, uh, you know, Best Artist. Then there was Best Saxophone Player, Best Trumpet Player, Best Bass Player, Best Viola Player, 
best everything, right? And then one day the academy calls me and I, th- I thought it was a joke. And this guy says, hey, man, are you Sammy Figueroa? I go, he, he's, I said, yeah. He says, I work for the academy. I go, all right, you work for the academy, you know. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm serious. I know it sounds like a joke, but listen, take my number down. This is the office and call here. You know, if you don't, I said, no, 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 really. You're from the academy. He goes, absolutely. And you're, you're nominated for best percussion of the year. <laughs> and I said, wow, really? He says, yes. But the polls are not till next month, but I just wanted to let you know that you're nominated. I said, wow, this is insane. And then, and then, you know, Fernando, I totally forgot about it. I, I, you know, you know, I was, I was still young. I, you know, I wasn't thinking right. And I forgot about it. And then, you know, I hear in my message, my machine in those days, they have those machines (laughs) that you leave messages on. And it said, hi, Sammy, this is Mac, the guy from, you won. You're the best percussionist of the year for this year. <laughs> and we're going to send you the award to your address. And I went, oh, my God. This is, I call my mom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I call yeah, my mom and I, I said, mom, I won. For, and she said, oh, my God, this is incredible. And I called a couple of friends of mine, musicians, to celebrate and uh, I never forget that and they sent me the award at home and I saw my name I, I, I still have the downbeat magazine with my name on it no, let, let me tell you I mean me as a record aficionado to imagine how it will be like living and working in New York at that time and working as hard as you did I mean and you know, sharing those things with names like you know Rubens Bassini, Laudir de Oliveira, uh, Paulinho da Costa in Los Angeles. I mean, Ayrton was here in New York, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Ayrton, Manolo, Manolo and, came yeah, later. Manolo yeah. came later, and all the guys in the industry. And you were one of them. I mean, you have worked for everyone. And there was no such fill-ins. They were important records, okay? But, you know, so reading constantly your name, uh, after I got the Cheek album, I got the Brecker Brothers album, I turn it, and I read your name again, and say, okay, here's the guy again, and then Diana Ross, and then David Bowie. And I think at the top of it, to me, is reading your name with in the Miles Davis oh album, God. The well, Man with the Horn. <laughs> well, that, that wasn't such an experience well, for you, right? I, honestly, Fernando, that changed my life. You know, how was that? that? How was that? How do you came into it? Well, well, into for, it? well, first of all, the way that that happened was 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 I was on tour at the time with Tanya Maria, the, mm-hmm. the Brazilian mm-hmm. yeah, singer, absolutely. right? Yeah. And I had been in the band. I I already had done. Two, two or three albums with her and we were on tour in Europe and I had just got back after a month non-stop in Europe and I was so tired and I couldn't wait to get back home you know mm-hmm. and so when I got home I, I went I was married at the time uh, mm-hmm. and I said to my wife I, I gotta go to bed I, I haven't had any sleep in over a month you know 
And she said, go, go to bed, man. And uh, around one in the morning, that was at eight. I went to bed at eight. But one in the morning, I hear the phone ringing. And my wife says, don't pick it up. And I go, okay. But the phone consistently rang and rang and rang. And I picked it up very quietly. And I said, hello. And then I hear somebody go, you know who this is? <laughs> and I go, what? You know who this is? I said, no. <laughs> this is Miles Davis. And I said, oh. And I'm Jiminy Cricket. And I hung up. And, and then, because I thought it was somebody joking, Mm. You know, maybe one of my friends found out that I got back and he was joking. But the phone rang 25 minutes later. And he says, if you hang up on me again, I'm going to kick your little Puerto Rican ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said, who is this? This is Miles Davis, mother. Oh, God. Just like that. And, and, and then the phone rings again. Maybe, you know, it was already like two in the morning. And I hear uh, a distinguished voice go, Sammy? I go, yes. This is Tio Macero. Oh, and I said, what? I mean, Tio Macero, the producer? Because I already knew Tio all these guys. Yeah. I knew all their names. And I said, Tio? The Tio? He says, this is Tio. You just hung up on Miles twice. But, and he's ready to kick your ass. So, so I said, Tio, how am I supposed to know that that was real? Who, who would believe if Miles Davis called somebody? Nobody would believe that. Absolutely he says, Sammy, not. I know. Don't worry about it. He knows it too. We're both two mature older guys. We understand. Can you get here now? I said, now? Now. But uh, what about my percussion? He goes, don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. We're at Columbia Studios on 54th Street. Get your butt out now here. And I, my, I said, my wife, honey, I got to go to work. She goes, what? At three in the morning? He said, it was Miles Davis. And she said, oh, go. my God. <laughs> go. <laughs> you better get out of here. You better get out of here. And I took a taxi. I went over there. And when we got to the studio, when I got to the studio, I was really nervous, Fernando. I'd never been this nervous in my, my life. No wonder. No wonder. No, and my, my feet, you know, actually, it was the first time I felt my knees shaking. I never had that feeling before. My knees Man. were like shaking. And I said, get, get yourself together, Sammy. Get your shit together. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, 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 Sammy. You got it. You got it, man. <laughs> We are talking about the sessions of the man with a horn. All right. Okay. And I okay. walk in and I see from a distance this really handsome black guy with thin features, you know, and he had a hat on. Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Davis, I apologize. I didn't know. And he punched me in the stomach. <laughs> he punched me really hard, Fernando, that I bent over. <laughs> He kept his promise, right? Right. <laughs> he punched me in the stomach, and I couldn't understand why he would do such a thing. And for maybe for 
I don't know how long it was that my adrenaline went right to my head. You know, that's never happened to me, of course, never. Yeah. And I lost it. And I punched him. And I hit him. And he fell over the, the, the piano bench. Mm-hmm. And I, and then it went away. You know, Fernando, when stuff like that happens to you, it, it's just for a split of a second, you know? And I never yeah. had that happen to me, you know? And when I came to, I said, what did I just do? <laughs> I was so scared. If I was scared coming in, Fernando, I was even more Absolutely, scared. Absolutely, yes. And Tio and George Butler from Colombia came running. What's going on here? What's going on? What did you do, Sammy? I said, I, I, uh, I don't. <laughs> and Miles gets up and he had a little bit of blood on the right side of his lip because I hit him. Uh-huh. And he says to me, that was a good level. <laughs> he was a fan of boxing, right? No, I mean, he, he made, but, but this is what he told me. And I said, I'm so sorry. He said, that was good, man. (laughs) And he said, come on, let's play. And from that moment on, after I punched him, we became like father and son. Yeah.
You're listening to WLIW, 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York. Also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. This is the Jam Session Radio Hour. And tonight we're carrying you a, an interview of Fernando Valladeres of Sammy Figueroa. Both illustrious percussionists, so they know what they're talking about. And we yeah, were yeah. we were very close, as a matter of fact. And that album he, at the time, it was in 1980, 81? Yeah, it was in the early 80s. It was a six-year yeah, retirement, hiatus. Retirement, yeah, he was, right? He was in a six, seven-year mm-hmm. hiatus. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yes. And so, from there on, I would talk to Miles three and four times a day. We went on mm-hmm. tour. We did gigs. We did this. <laughs> and then he was getting sick, of course, and that's what happened, you know. But my yeah. experience with him, look, there are many stories that I could I could sit here and tell you about Miles, my experience. Mm-hmm. But but there's so many that we would be here for nine, ten hours, maybe three days, you know. Yeah. But I all can I can tell you in a short sum is that my experience with Miles was wonderful and uh, he taught me a lot. I spent lots of hours with him in his house and and hanging out with him. And I used to go to his house and pick him up uh, in a private car that he had. And and we and I would take him to... Because he didn't want to leave the house. So I yeah. would take him to Fat Tuesdays, to all these clubs. And his presence, every time we went to a place, the people would go nuts. Because he was a superstar, you know? And, uh, Absolutely. You know, he took me on a ride on that Ferrari that he had, that yellow Ferrari. And, uh, and he was... <laughs> We were on the east side, and he was driving like 150 miles an hour through, (laughs) and the police would chase us, you know, (laughs) and he would stop the car, and i go, oh, my God, here we go, and the police, he says, you know, would see, and they, and they, they were getting ready to arrest whoever was driving the car, right, but Mm -hmm. when we stopped the car, they looked inside the car, and he goes, oh, Mr. Davis, they knew who he was, and they would say, what are you doing driving 150 miles an hour? Well, that's what this car does. <laughs> and he goes, listen, Mr. Davis, oh, we can Such pull you in right now and arrest you and your friend here. You know, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go, but are you going to do this again? And he said, Absolutely. <laughs> Man, you had, you know, a lot of stories, and you were like a a blessed musician who played with two of the most unique, let's say unique musicians in the world, Miles Davis on one side and David Bowie on the other side. Mm -hmm. That was later on, of course, you know, when David called me. Actually, who called me for that record was Niall. You know, mm-hmm. because he was he a producer. Was right? Yeah, and it was Niall who called me, and I met I met Bowie at the studio. He was a wonderful, elegant human being. You know, very intelligent, and you know, I went up to him and I met him, and and he said, "Sammy, I want you to play on this tune, Let's Dance, that I wrote." He said, "But you know what? I'm not going to be here. I'm going to lunch." And me and Niall are leaving. So you do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> right. And and you so he left me. He... he left me there with the engineer Bob Clear Mountain, who mm-hmm. was the number one engineer in the country at that time. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I, he, you know, Bob said, Bobby said, Sammy, do what you do. 
I'm not going to tell you what to play. Just play whatever you feel it's right for that tune. Yeah, and, so, and that was great for you because you told me once that he was trying to have a percussion player that was far away, a distance, a distance away from salsa. And he warned all me. The he Latin said, "I don't stuff. want to hear that clave thing." <laughs> 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 Not that I'm against Latinos, Sammy, but yeah. I don't want to hear that. And I no, and I heard you, and I heard that you don't why. play that anyway. That you you're you're on the other side of the coin. So that's why we called you. And let me tell you, I think that is one of the 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 things that makes you unique because you got all the languages. I mean, you not only know the clave, but you know how to put some other influences into any recording, and that's what what makes a musician's language unique. Yeah, I, I, I guess it did help me, even though I was kind of scared of the clave, because in reality, I didn't know the clave. You know, I didn't grow up really playing with clave, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and I was embarrassed. And uh, there was a certain amount of Latinos in, in New York that, that, that were spreading around Manhattan. Sammy doesn't know how to play any Latin music, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I heard it and I heard the comments and I said, well, at least I'm working and I'm busy and I'm doing a lot of things. It, it wasn't. It really wasn't until I played with Miles that the the respect came in, you know, because mm -hmm. it was a dream for all of those guys to do a gig like that, but but they didn't do it, you know, and yeah. and once that happened, they looked at me a little bit different, and they weren't saying anything anymore. But the beautiful thing about that is, is that when I did after David Bowie. Uh, Michelle Camilo had just moved from Santo Domingo to New York, you know, okay. and okay. he was brand new. And and Michelle called me to do a gig with him. He had a group named French Toast, you know, and that group was a complete fusion Latin jazz band. Right. And mm -hmm. he called me and I be became good friends with Michelle. And we were playing at Mikel's every week. And it was it was no way that anybody could get even a ticket there because Michelle blew up like from one day to another. He was huge, you know, and so the place was packed, standing room only all the time. And and for me, it was a great experience. Who were the Camilo's band at that time? At the time, it was Anthony Jackson, of course. Mm -hmm. It was David Weckl. Oh. It was Chris Hunter on alto, Lou Soloff on trumpet. Peter Gordon on French horn, right? That, that was the band and myself. That was a band of that album that was a trio, right? Weckl, Anthony Jackson, and Michelle. No, no. The first band was not a trio. It was a septet. Yeah. It was with mm. horns and everything. That was the first oh. band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the first band. And then what happened, that band lasted a couple of years. We did an album mm -hmm. uh, for a Japan label. And then he made the group smaller, and it was just me. Anthony, right? David Weckl, again, and Michelle and myself. That was it, you know? No. Oh, yeah, that was way before David Weckl took his tenor with Chi Korea, right? Yeah, that was way before he got into all of that stuff, you know? And oh, he was okay. playing yeah. great then. And so we had that, uh, we, we, we did that second. That second iteration was just call Michelle Camilo, you know? It wasn't mm -hmm. French toast anymore. And so we did another album and this and that. And then we were together for about seven, eight years playing nonstop and doing gigs and recording and doing great. And then we decided to disband, 
you know, not because there was no hate, totally. It's because everybody wanted to do their own thing, you know? Yeah. And, and so I didn't see Michelle for, oh, I don't know, for a couple of years. And, uh, and then I bumped into him out of nowhere in a recording studio called Clinton that was on 10th Avenue at the time. And I was mm-hmm. doing a jingle. I was doing a, a TV commercial. And, and I did a lot of those, you know? Uh, every yeah. day, every day I would do one or two or three a day, you know, and uh, and so he bumps into me and he goes, Sammy, what are you doing here? And I go, I was doing a jingle. And, he, and I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm doing my new album. And he said, I, I got an idea. You want to play on my album? And I said, of course. He said, are your drums upstairs? He go, I said, yeah. Well, I'm going to get somebody to bring them downstairs and, ho- and set you up. I said, great. So I was on my way home. Now I'm recording with Michelle <laughs> again. And I did, we, we did the first tune, had no title. And then I did another tune, another tune. I think the album was called On the Other Hand, something like that. Oh, yeah. That. That's the name. All right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I went home. We, we exchanged new numbers. And, and then he calls me like, I don't know, like a couple of weeks later. And he says, Sammy, Michelle, listen, you know, I didn't have a title for that tune that you did. So we decided to call it, and Sammy walked in.
You're listening to WLIW 88.3 FM in Southampton, New York. Also heard on WLIW.org slash radio. Stay tuned and continue to listen to the Jam Session Radio Hours uh, interview by Fernando Valladeres of Sammy Figueroa. Well, you know, Fernando, I always say that it's not the age, it's how young do you feel at heart, you know? Yes. Because if you're a young guy in your heart and you could be like a child again and you could see yourself as the student of life not and the observer, then you got something going because, you know, uh, being what makes a great artist is, is actually... It's being an observer of life, you know, and not and not be pretentious at all and always be willing to learn because yeah. there's so much to learn in life. I mean, it never ends. Yes. And, and in music, there's no way you could know everything. It's impossible. And, That's impossible. Yes. And, and so if you're in that learning mentality and you're as excited as you were when you were 10, you got something going. Yeah. It is a constant learning experience. That's how it should be. Yeah. I want to thank you, Sammy, for this beautiful, beautiful encounter. Really, man, it's been a pleasure. It's been a trip <laughs> to have all of these aspects of your life. You and I as friends, you know, have been through so much. And there, and I'm sure there is still so much to tell. Oh, and yeah. You have my absolute admiration and respect and most of the thing my friendship oh thank you Fernando. that means a lot to me and 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 i feel the same way with you and you are one 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 talented guy man and uh, you know what's interesting that i've been listening to guaco man for 30 years i think when they when you guys first started with the gaita and then and then and then when Greco came along and turned the Gaika into jazz and Gaita into jazz, man, I remember and I said, oh my God, what are these guys doing now? And you were always evolving, always. It was like a metamorphosis of a new continuation and always fresh. And that, I turned so many people onto Guaco that you have no idea. I said, listen to this band. Listen to the creativity and the beauty, how they do this, you know? It doesn't stop. And uh, so I'm a big fan of you and Guaco. That's one, that to me is one of the most innovative bands that I've ever heard in my life. And when I heard that, it changed me too because it gave me the enthusiasm to continue to do what I do. Oh man, so glad to hear about it. And some way, you know, you took something from us. But let me tell you, uh, it's been a blast, really. Thank you for this beautiful moment. You know, um, the Jam Session Radio Hour people. And I'm very happy and honored to have shared this thing with you. And yes. oh, I, I'm looking forward to hearing, hearing yeah. very, very, very soon. Thanks so much once again for joining us. Um, again, 
Really interesting night, really interesting discussion. So much education here about jazz uh, from the point of view of historians, instrumentalists, uh, composer, arranger, producers, these two guys. Um, uh, what a what a matchup. Um, we th- want to thank others, Silvano Monasterios, for the use of his tune, Trauco Mirage, as our intro and outro. We want to thank Rafael Alvarez for his great work in engineering and production. Uh, we also want to thank, uh, of course, Fernando uh, Valladares and Sammy Figueroa for, uh, for doing this for us. Uh, we want to thank Claes Brondahl, our music director. We want to thank WLIW, uh, just one of the best stations um, uh, around. And luckily for us, coming from Southampton, New York. So thanks again from the Jam Session Radio Hour. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, John Landis. Enjoy your evening. Stay well. And uh, we'll catch you soon. Take care. Good night. Thank you.